next on Abounding Grace. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You've got to have an outlet for everything that you're learning and growing in. There needs to be an outlet when you learn how to be the man God wants you to be. You learn how to be the woman that God wants. You need an outlet, and that outlet is the love of Jesus Christ flowing through your life. Jesus put it this way, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And so while knowledge can puff up without love, love always builds up, and we need both. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set Many of us know firsthand how comforting it is to have someone come up to us and say, I'm praying for you. But did you know that Jesus himself prayed for you just prior to his death on the cross? Now that's encouraging. We'll take a look at this prayer from Christ today here on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor concentrates on chapter 17, verses 16 through 26. Let's join him there now and see together how Jesus prays for us. Take your Bibles and open them to John chapter 17. If you happen to be coming in just a little bit later, yes, we changed the order of service and we're having the Bible study up front so that we can have a time of worship in response at the end. Because there's a couple of things in this last part of the prayer of Jesus in John 17 that I think will do us well to respond in our hearts before the Lord. Not only in the songs that are going to be sung, but as you process the reality of your life today in light of the scriptures, this is going to be a glorious day. So when we end our Bible study, don't be quick to leave, but rather be quick to respond and be quick to humble yourself before the Lord and let him speak to you and drill down what he's doing in your life through his word. And this is the fifth week now that we have spent studying the prayer of Jesus here in John 17. He's praying it out loud in front of other people. And on top of that, it's been recorded for us so that we can hear it and we can learn from it once again. And a lot that we have learned is glorious, not only in the sense of how to pray, But what was on the heart of Jesus right before the cross? What was on the heart of Jesus when it comes to himself? That was the first part of the prayer. He prayed for himself. What was on the heart of Jesus as he prayed for his disciples? And then finally, this last section, what's on his heart when he was praying literally for you and me some 2,000 years ago? He was praying for us. So let's overlap in our study and pick up in verse 16, which we covered in some degree last time but in verse 16 Jesus Christ is praying to the father and he says they are not of the world just as I'm not of the world sanctify them by your truth your word is truth as you sent me into the world I also have sent them into the world and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by The truth. Three times he uses this word sanctify. And if you haven't already, circle it right next to it. Set apart. That's what the word means. He says, Father, set my disciples apart for a special use. Set them apart by your truth. 
For their sakes, he says, I'm setting myself apart. And he does that in, in, in such a way to be an example, but to show us what it looks like. Set them apart. I, I want them to be used. Set them apart by your truth. Your word is truth. And the word of God is truth. We have it in our hands, in our laps. We have it on our iPads, on our phones. The word of God. The word of God is the truth of God in written form. Yes, Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. So Jesus is truth personified. Everything about him is truth. But how do we live that truth out? Well, that's contained for us in the word of God. And today you have, most of you have an English translation on your lap. Maybe some of you have a Spanish translation. Maybe some of you have the Hebrew in front of you. Maybe the Greek text from the New Testament. But we have primarily this English translation that we use that reveals to us the heart and the will of God. And I hope by now God's word has become precious to you. God's word has become very precious to me because it has taught me how to live my life. Not only has it taught me how to live my life, but it is teaching me how to live my life currently. And not only has it taught me in the past and teaching me in the present, if I so choose, and I will, to open it in the future, it's going to teach me how to live then as well. That's where we learn how to live in this world because what we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Remember last time we learned Jesus prayed, Father, I ask you, don't take them out of the world. And we said, what? No, we want to go. This world can be so hard sometimes and so difficult. And there's that desire to be in the presence of Jesus where all things will make sense. But the answer to Jesus' prayer, well, you're sitting here. You're the answer to Jesus' prayer. He hasn't taken you yet. You're in this world. But how do we live in this world but not live like this world? It's through understanding God's word. Because we get all these messages from the world in which we live. These messages that tell us what this means and what that means. We, we listen to the music of this world. We watch the movies of this world. We work and live in the culture of this world. And yet we're not of this world. And there's great tension. There's great tension for us as believers. The, the tool that God uses to keep us untainted from the world is his word. But the problem is, of many, is that so many, even believers, statistics tell us, just don't read the Bible. They just don't read the Bible. You just don't read the Bible. I know I'm speaking to some of you. Uh, don't get mad at me. It's just the facts. You just don't read the Bible. For some of you, this is all you get is what I'm reading through the text, just the few verses we're going to look to today. But, but devotion life hasn't developed in you yet. You, you don't consult the Bible when you have problems. And, and one of the reasons is, is because, you know, some of the passages are hard. You know, you read through the Bible, and man, you did it this year. You say, Genesis, yes, I can get that, Abraham. I get people's lives. And, and then you get to Exodus. You go, yeah, I get Moses. And, and I understand there was slavery, and they're delivered, and God's there. And you go, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. No more. No more. This is, what does this mean? And it's just such a bloody, it's such a bloody chapter of the Bible. All of the sacrifices and all of the specifics and, and what does this mean and how does this relate in the 21st century? And, and then at that point, you'd pretty much close the Bible and never open it again. Because a lot of what we do is habitual. And if we don't develop the right habits, then even good habits, good habits will fly out the window. Not only that, 
But if all we're getting is the music of this world and all we're getting is the movies of this world and all we're getting is our friends and work of this world giving us all this stuff, the Bible says evil company corrupts good habits. And Jesus, he's praying, he says, please, Father, sanctify them by your word. And the disciples are hearing this. And your word is truth. He is setting the course for all of history, beginning with these men, that the word of God is the source of truth. Another reason, another reason people don't open the Bible is because it is powerful. There is no other book on the planet that has the power of God's word. The Bible says in the New King James that the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it just cuts to the quick, doesn't it? You open up the word and something's going on in your life and the spirit of God leads you right to the verse and, and, and that verse is, you are that man. And you go, I'm not that man. And God says, you are that man. I'm not that man. And the way you silence that is you close the book. But nobody knows you're that man. Ladies are like, yeah, I'm glad he didn't say woman. You are that woman. <laughs> nobody knows, but the Lord knows. And when you open the Bible, it's like every page. You are that man. You are that one. It's like, I, don't want, I can't deal with this. I don't want to live like that. I don't, I don't want to feel, I, I don't want to know all this weakness in my life. Let me read to you the New Living Translation. I love how it translates. Just jot it down. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. The word of God is full of living power. It's sharper than the sharpest knife, cutting deep into the innermost thoughts and desires. It exposes us for what we really are. And just that truth alone, people don't want to read the Bible because God uses it to expose us for what we are. The good news, of course, is that when it exposes us for what we are, God then also gives us the remedy for where we are. And in this culture, we just don't hear what God has to say very often. The word of God is what keeps us prepared to live a life in this world, not being touched or tainted by this world. The Bible is our life preserver. It is and contains the answer to every issue in Jesus Christ pertaining to life and godliness. And we need, church, contact with the word of God as well as this world. We need both. There's balance. In this world, we need to be men and women of God's word so that we can learn how to, to affect this world and not allowing the world to affect us as much as it has already. You see, if we have contact with the word of God, but not very much contact with the world, then we will become spiritually inflamed. Our opinion of ourselves will be so big that we think far too highly of ourselves in a very dirty, rotten culture. We'll think too much of ourselves. We'll, think, we'll start thinking like we're holier than thou. I'm a man of the word and I'm a man of holiness and I don't have any time for these things of the world. If that's all we're in the word and we're not interfacing with people of the, of the world and we're just men and women, then we're just gonna be spiritually large thinking too highly of ourselves or the Bible word for that is prideful. And prideful people have a tendency to look down their noses at people that they deem less worthy. And according to Jesus Christ, he died for all. He calls anyone. Aren't you glad it's all? Because you're part of all. And at one point you answered the call. It wasn't all but you. It was all, yes, including you. And God is still doing that work through Jesus Christ. In another part of the Bible, Paul would write to a church and he would tell them this important thing. And, and, and this is a great place to, to emphasize how if you're, just a, if you're just knowing the Bible and it's all about knowledge for you and you're just getting knowledge, 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 Paul would say this, knowledge puffs 
up. Knowledge puffs up. Your knowledge, 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 and you just start, whoa, I know all of this, I know all of this, but you have no outlet in the world, then you're just going to become prideful and arrogant, and you're going to know a lot of the Bible, but have no impact for Jesus Christ in our day and age. You can't just have contact with the word and not the world. Because contact for the world, well, that's the other part of that verse from Paul. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. You've got to have an outlet for everything that you're learning and growing in. There needs to be an outlet when you learn how to be the man God wants you to be. Learn how to be the woman that God wants. You need an outlet, and that outlet is the love of Jesus Christ flowing through your life. Jesus put it this way. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And so while knowledge can puff up without love, love always builds up, and we need both. We need both because if we don't have an outlet, we don't have an outlet, we're going to be puffed up. You know, the way the world describes relationships, it's just not, it's just not true. The way the world describes love, the way the world makes everything so romantic. Haven't you noticed that every, you know, all the romantic movies, they always have just the right music to make you feel something, but it's not real. The way that they describe relationships It's not the way of the Lord. Okay, so let me just say, since we have talked about uh, this conference coming up and husbands and wives, let me tell you what the Bible says, okay? The Bible says, you husbands, this is what the Bible says, you husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Some of you are wondering, how am I supposed to be a good husband? My marriage is messed up and what am I supposed to do? Here's your answer. This is what the Bible says. God says, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's some serious implications. So then we go and go, wait a minute. How did Christ love the church? Well, he loved the church unconditionally. He loved the church sacrificially. He loved the church and died for the church so that you and I might be in relationship with him. He loved consistently. He loved as a servant. I mean, you don't hear that in songs today, do you? He's flipping through the radio. Okay, husbands, love your wives. <laughs> Everybody just turned the radio off right now. It's like, what is that? What is that? Like, you don't hear that. And, you know, especially you don't hear that. I've never heard some song, love your wife, is Christ, love the church, in some country music song. Now, there's a reason for that. I don't listen to country music. <laughs> But I mean, if believers write the songs, of course. But this culture, this culture says, man, if it ain't working out, ditch her. Leave her. There's somebody else. You're supposed to be happy. You're in a time where you're not happy right now. Love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself. That's the message of the world. The Bible doesn't say that. Wives, here's a piece of advice for you in your marriage. That's what the Bible says. Wives, submit to your husbands as unto the Lord. That's not a popular topic in culture today. Wives submit, submit, submit. Now, none of you guys are doing this here, but somebody in their car right now is screaming at me. (laughs) Submit, you don't know. And that's okay, respond. I'm good. I'm good with it. Let's talk because submission is from the Lord. It's the very fabric of society depends upon mutual submission. 
But a lot of times, because of the difficulty in your marriage, because your husband isn't loving you like Christ loved the church, or you might even be in an unequally yoked relationship right now, you stop at the word submit, but that really isn't the emphasis in that verse. The emphasis of that verse isn't submitting to your husband. The emphasis in that verse, as unto the Lord. So the real question to ask today is not the brokenness between you and your husband. The real question to ask is, how is your submission unto the Lord? Who loves you unconditionally, who died for you, who serves you, who's faithful to you. How's your submission there? And that, my friend, is the source that you bring back into your home. The world doesn't teach that. The music of the world doesn't teach that. The movies of the world doesn't, don't teach that. Our friends at work, they don't teach that. But Jesus says, sanctify them, Father. Set them apart. It's going to be rough in the world for them. In another place, Jesus said, in this world you have tribulation. It's going to be hard. But what they need is to be sanctified by what? The truth. The truth. And that's what, this book, that's what this book is. It is the truth of God. Let me just say this before we move on. If you're in the word and you're not really interfacing with those in the world and you're kind of judgmental and condemning everyone in the world, then you're going to be knowledge is going to puff up. But let me say the opposite. If you're not in the word and you're completely consumed by the world, then you're going to be a carnal, fleshly, disobedient person and not live according to the precepts of God. You won't be pleasing God. Your life will be rebellious. Your life will be disconnected from the God that say, if you're in the world, hanging out in the world, and, and you're, you're not in the word, then you're going to pick up everything that this world has, and you're going to find out that it's empty, and it doesn't last, and it's not eternal, and thieves break in and steal, and things rust out, and you've got to throw things away, and including the world has the attitude of not only disposable stuff, but disposable people, and we need both. We need both. Remember, we learned last time, you, uh, you and I, we need the world as much as the world needs us as salt and light in a lost and dying culture. We're not of this world. I mean, the world can't figure us out. You know, for those of you that are really walking close with the Lord, you have friends that just don't get it, man. They don't get it. You have coworkers that think you're some whacked out person that loves God now. And though I love God, but, but you, you're way out there. I mean, think about it. Think about it. That's why every portrayal of anything uh, Christian, anything that pertains to the things of God is always portrayed in the media as some kooky, weird, way out, distant, disconnected from reality type of adder. You know, you're just, you're old fashioned. You're old fashioned. That's your, you don't know what you're talking about. And that book wasn't written by men and on and on and on. But uh, you know, if you went into work tomorrow and you said, Dude, you will not believe what happened to me last night. I was sleeping in my bed, and I was so deep in sleep, and I began to float above my bed. It was awesome, man. My wife came in and did that thing, and she could see I was floating. And then I looked up, and there was a, through the, through the light in my roof, what do they call that? Through that sunroof in my, in my house, I saw a UFO, man. It was amazing. Big head, big eyes. And, and a light shone down right through my sunroof. And it came off the roof and it picked me up and I fit right through that hole. And the aliens took me away for two hours and they taught me of the things of life. Would you like to learn about it? And your coworker goes, dude, that happened to me too. 
Amazing, the UFOs have come to Denver. We need to get a picture of them and a YouTube video. They're gonna like take you out to lunch. Let's go have dinner together. My wife needs to hear this. Nobody believes in the UFOs but you and me. But you go to work tomorrow and somebody says, hey man, how was your weekend? And you go, hey, my wife and I were struggling, man. We're about ready to throw in the towel. I'm done. I'm kind of mad at her. Man, she's really mad at me. And, and I'm done. I'm sick of being mad. I'm, it's not what I thought marriage was. But let me tell you something. We decided to go to church. Church, yeah, that church on the corner over there, right where you live. That big box, that warehouse, that's a church. We went in, and they, this guy was up there talking about the Bible. And, and he's telling me, telling these weird things about husbands loving like Christ and wives submitting. But it, it flipped something in my mind. And while I don't totally understand what that pastor said, I think there's hope for my marriage. And so I called. I'm going to make an appointment with one of those pastor guys there, one of those priests, and I'm going to talk to them about my marriage. And the response you get, are you an idiot? Leave her. I left mine last week. It'll make me feel a lot better if you leave yours too. Oh, they never say that. But that's a motive of their, of their conversation. And they're going to say, you can't believe you're believing the Bible. You believe in church? What'd you walk in there for? I drive by that all the time and I pray against that building. I don't want anything to do with that building. They're so narrow-minded. On and on and on and on and on. Listen, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. And there's something in the heart of man that until they accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they'll receive any lie that's thrown at them. It's the pattern from the very beginning with Adam and Eve. Hearing a lie, believing a lie, acting on the lie is the root of every single problem in our lives. Where do we know the truth? In God's word. Yes, you're right. I read, I've spent 25 years reading God's word in my life, and there are some really hard parts of the Bible. There's some hard things to understand, for sure. I mean, there's not a month that goes by that we don't have someone call into the radio broadcast and ask the question, what does Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6 mean? And my answer is always, well, you have picked probably one of the top 10 most difficult passages in all the Bible. And then I'll go to answer it, and then we'll end. I'm not sure which side it is. This is kind of where I fall. But, but you know, the reality is, is we have a God that loves us and his son Jesus. And I go back to the things I do understand. And I acknowledge there's some of the Bible is hard to understand, hard to, hard to really grasp. But that only, that only reveals to me that there's a God who knows all things, who's worthy of my trust. I don't have to understand everything. And I don't think it's the things that we don't understand that scare us from the Bible. It's the things you do understand, aren't they? When the Bible says, leave this or forsake that, or it gives us some direction. This is the prayer of Jesus. Set them apart. How? By the truth. That's why, as a church, we place great emphasis upon the teaching of the Bible. And we always will until he returns or until I go home. That's, that will be my commitment, to teach you the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. That's why I spend the majority of my week in my office, praying, studying, and looking things up and asking God to give me not only what the text says, not only what it means, but what does it mean for us as a church, our church family and our culture and our context. It's very important. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Stop by AboundingGraceRadio.com if you like a replay or listen to Abounding Grace through our app, Search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor and download that today. 
We've been blessed in recent months as we hear from people who have called or written to let us know that they listen and how God is doing a great work through the teaching of His Word. We're so thankful to God for this. And if you'd like to share your story, please email us through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. We really do want to hear from you. And we also have a book we'd like to get into your hands that can help you answer common questions about Christianity and the Bible. It's 5-Minute Apologetics for Today, 365 Quick Answers to Key Questions. Now, this will serve to help you answer questions about evolution and creation, alleged contradictions, and general accusations concerning the Bible. Learn how to answer the claims of cults and ethical issues like abortion or divorce. Again, that's 5-Minute Apologetics for Today by Ron Rhodes. Request a copy when you give a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. We're here to serve you at 877-30-GRACE. Again, our phone number, 877-30-GRACE. And thank you for helping us get the word out on stations like this one. As you partner with us, it's thrilling to see how God uses it in great ways to bless and encourage so many lives through the radio and the Internet. Another convenient way to make a donation is online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Celebrating God's faithfulness and goodness, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Come back next time when we'll return to our study of John. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.